the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Rob Black and your money and your money. Now, now, now. Here's, here's Rob Black. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money, the podcast. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show, and uh, I'd say happy holiday, but it's not a holiday. I'll be here all day. I'd say congratulations on a good stock market. That's probably a little bit more appropriate, all things considered. Today was a funny day. A lot to digest this week on the capital markets, including corporate data, economic data, uh, political data. Tomorrow we get the State of the Union speech. Uh, We get the Fed Open Market Committee decision on Wednesday. So there's not going to be a lot of conviction until then. Uh, Apple and Google were weak last week. Apple and Google are strong today. McDonald's released its fourth quarter results. Kind of an inline profit, which is you know noting a good thing. It's, it's saying they're off to a good start in 2011. They're an important part of our economy. They're an important part of our stock market. There was a merger and acquisition out there today. Rock, Tennessee acquiring a Smurfit Stone container. Um, you know, there's nothing notable about the size of the transaction. You know, three and a half billion dollars. It's 27% premium, which is notable. So again, it tells you Wall Street's looking around and saying, what's going on? Uh, Where can we find value in each other? And this is a good example of where you can find value in each other. So lots of earnings between Tuesday and Thursday this week. Huge earnings week. Uh, On top of it, we're going to get the Case-Shiller Index and Consumer Confidence tomorrow. But between now and then, we're going to digest American Express, CSX, Texas Instruments, BlackRock, Coach, 3M, DuPont, EMC, Harley-Davidson, Johnson & Johnson, Travelers, U.S. Steel, and Verizon. So tons to work with today um, in the next 24 hours for sure. I think trying to always add value to the podcast is important to me. And one area that I continue to see a lot of investment idea generation uh, financials, BB&T, PNC Financial, because I see valuations for U.S. financial stocks, you know, they've fallen. And it's it's like the rebound from the worst crisis since the 1930s never happened. And yet, I see some improvement. Banks, insurers, and asset managers in the S&P 500 traded about 12 times estimated earnings, close to the lowest level since the bull market, which began in March 2009. It, the group is the second cheapest amongst 10 industries in the gauge even as analysts say profit are going to rise 18% this year, which is exceeding the S&P 500. So there's some questions. There's no doubt about it. And there's some fears. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the biggest equity rally in more than five decades has lifted the S&P 500 above its level when Lehman Brothers collapsed in 2008. The failure of priced earnings ratios to widen is a sign uh, that gains in banks may end when government stimulus ends. That's the big question of if and when. Bulls such as myself say forecast for a three-year economic expansion mean the stocks will prove bargains as earnings and dividends increase. Bears would say that once you take away the candy, these guys are going to stink pretty hard 
and that there's not going to be enough lending to support them. The biggest yearly increase in U.S. retail sales since 1999 and higher than expected industrial production, so the U.S. expansion is gaining momentum, in my opinion. Earnings for S&P 500 companies rose 30% in 2010. That's the fastest growth since 1995. Profits for financial companies almost doubled. Um, you know, I'm going to say consult a broker advisor before taking any action on any stocks. But again, this is one area where I see a lot of value. Goldman Sachs fell 5%. Citigroup lost 4.7% last week. Earnings failed to beat expectations. Bank of America um, fell 2%. And uh, 6.6% for the week last week. They fell 2% on the day they reported earnings, 6.6% for the week. And they're the largest bank by assets. Banks have lost the revenue stream from mortgage lending. And M&A activities and capital market activities have been muted. There's something, you know, a hit or miss here or there in M&A, but it's been muted for sure. These things add up to basically speculating uh, on banking stocks as opposed to feeling really secure about them. Creates a lot of value in that speculation on as far as when will, you know, mortgage come, when will mortgage situations kind of secure themselves um, as well as when does mergers and, active, mergers and acquisitions happen and, what, and when does lending really open up? When do healthy loans start becoming a norm again? Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and Bank of America, they trade for less than 10 times 2011 profit. I personally see that as too cheap. So for industrial companies, book value represents what's called a liquidation value of plants and equipment. For financial firms, book value represents you know prices on paper for assets such as stocks, bonds, loans, and contracts. So it's a little bit tougher to look at book value on, on banks, brokerages. They trade for about 1.2 times book value or assets minus liabilities compared with the 18 year average of about two still that remarks, you know, it's a remarkable level. Um, so, and it could create an enormous rally. So, uh, most of the big boys are valued somewhere between 0.9 and 1.3 times book value. And again, the historical norms too. Do we go back to historical norms? It's a book value, you know, it's a book value correction. And a lot of people aren't, aren't used to or comfortable with that even thought out there. So just going through some of the show notes from today, taking a look at what's working and what's not working. Um, some interesting thoughts today. Papa John's Intel and a couple other companies like Monster and Dr. Peppers and Denny's aren't going to spend money on advertising this year for the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> Justin Bieber, $750 haircuts. That's what's wrong with America right now. If you want to know why terrorists want to blow us up, it's Justin Bieber's $750 haircuts. But anyway, back to the big game ad sales. Um, you know, companies are trying to do something unique and different. If the game goes into overtime, for instance, Papa John's is going to give away a free pizza. Cute, right? You have to sign up for their loyalty program, though, before the game day. You can't do it the game day. So Papa John's is an NFL sponsor. They feel like, hey, we've got enough advertising throughout the year. But what's really happening is social media is starting to gain more and more traction. Uh, there's some new directions on how, what's good marketing. You know, what's you know different marketing vehicles, for instance. Intel's got some core processors that may or may not fit that audience of the Super Bowl. New leadership is out there. Denny's, for instance, has always run big ads and um, – they want to do more of an integrated market program and not necessarily a one-shot kind of blow your wad as far as spending goes. 
Other big stories of note, back to that Smurf at Stone story today, Rock Tennessee acquiring them for 27% premium. It's 27% premium. That's, that says it all. Companies are looking at each other and saying, look, there's some value here. Smurf at Stone has debt. They've got pension liabilities. So Rock Tennessee is, is basically saying, we're good with that. We see the economy improving. And since you make packaged boxes, we want to be a part of that improvement. McDonald's, they had a good quarter. Um, they're going to open another 1,000 restaurants in 2011. It's crazy, right? True, but crazy. Uh, McDonald's, are they a restaurant, aren't they not? You know, Between their frappes and uh, coffees, they're not the same old McDonald's that we used to make fun of. Don't underestimate them. Other big stories of note today, and again, uh, the way you want to look at McDonald's is go take a look at a 40-year chart of the company, and that's how you look at it. I believe that they were going to have enough cash flow in the years to come to continue to buy back their own shares on a regular basis if they want to. I often refer to McDonald's as not really a restaurant and I make fun of them and I say things like, you know, uh, as far as McDonald's goes, you got to understand that we'll always make jokes about them and there's a joke about married couples and oral sex and you can only do that twice a year. That is eating at McDonald's and oral sex with your partner. It's a married person joke. Go with it. Laugh at it. <laughs> Enjoy. There's another angle that you can only do it when you're on vacation. And again, you can figure out that it's an adult joke and we're all adults. So get used to it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but McDonald's is a pretty good quarter. If you look at the last 40 years, stock's been amazing. And I hate saying that because I hate saying that. So talking about some of the other big issues that are out there today news stories that we have to be aware of news stories that we're pining for and wanting and desiring Let's see if i can't get my mic levels perfect and it doesn't seem like i can today i'm having some problems with one of my wind socks i know you're saying wind socks i'll take that problem any day of the year so um yeah, microphones. I'm just I pop my piece. I need to order a new microphone pad at some point in time to help uh cut down on popping my peas. Anyway, um let's keep moving forward, shall we? Halliburton had a good quarter. American Express reports tonight. You know, Netflix is one of the companies that I'm looking forward to reporting this week and seeing how they stand up versus their stock appreciation. Hewlett Packard was called a top pick this year, target price uh sixty bucks. That makes some sense to me. I could agree with that. Uh, I think it's a good, solid company that got into some CEO issues last year. And uh, I think you'll see the company uh, do pretty well uh, this year as far as stock ideas go. Great cash flow, great product, pretty good management. I'm a little concerned with Leo Pothaker as their CEO. Uh, but there's smarter people than me that basically sees this company as trading at 10 times next year's earnings. So I do some, see some upside on it for sure. HP, $48 a share. I can see it easily going to 60 in the next 12 months. Electronic Arts today got downgraded to hold over at Breen Murray. And this is one of those companies that is really just struggling to uh, get some consistency going in their release frame time frames. And it appears that their big you know seller this year is going to be a company called Star Wars or a game called Star Wars, The Old Republic. And the game is um, at best a third quarter 2012 release, which is technically fourth quarter this year. So they're on a different calendar than you and I are. So um, should that occur, they would expect some downward pressure on the 2011 estimates if the stock doesn't, if the game doesn't get out sooner rather than later. 
interesting uh, pool that today from Ticonderoga Research House on Wall Street. What they're saying is that Apple looks like a value stock. They think the company's operating in high growth mode. They believe value investors should take a look at the stock in light of Steve Jobs' medical leave of absence, which overshadowed a big December quarter print um, and March quarter outlook. There could be you know, some further selling pressure, which would create the quote-unquote value. They think the risk-reward is becoming so favorable that even value investors should begin buying the stock, not even growth investors. The firm's hoping for the best for Steve Jobs and his role with Apple. However, the market appears to already be preparing for the worst. I own shares of Apple. I throw that out there for you again for legal reasons. But if you look at its valuations on some of these stocks, we're pricing in a recession or we're pricing in a double dip um, stock market. So I do see some upside. Again, please consult a broker advisor before taking action on any of this stuff, though. Um, but it's interesting. Like in the last couple of years, would you ever have thought that Apple would have been called a value stock? Probably not. So I do think they're going to have trouble maintaining a high stock price. But for the short term, I think the stock price continues to move upwards. Other stories of note out there today. Um, There was a poll that came out where industry economists say the economic recovery is expanding and gaining strength. And more firms are, are expressing positive hiring plans than in over a decade. The job market and demand for companies, products and services by a lot of measures um, we're you know coming out of the Great Recession, we're finally starting a little bit more hopeful on economic growth. So it's not going to happen instantly. It'll probably be a 2011 story and not one that's 2011 January you know driven to results. But the number of economists who saw hiring by the firms that they're covering increased over the next six months was 42 percent compared to seven percent who expected layoffs. And again, that's the highest level in 12 years. Does it mean it's going to happen? No. But it's something to continue to pay attention to. J.C. Penney's day announced a restructuring. I don't care. Um, EMC's reporting numbers tonight, and some analysts today reported some numbers. Um, they're actually reporting numbers before the market opens tomorrow. And you know, analysts are coming out today saying it's a $30 stock. One research firm sees it as their top pick for 2011. They think the company can benefit from expanding storage systems market opportunity as well as share gains in both its core storage business as well as their VMware software, which is tied towards virtualization software. So EMC, will they get the respect? It's been a long time. Now, again, this is a stock that's been moving from $10 a share to $22, $23 a share, and you're saying they're not getting respect. But yeah, a lot of people thought it was a $20 stock two, three years ago, and it took them that long to realize it. Um, their CEO is a New York native, and he's wanted to be a Fortune 500 company CEO since he was a teenager. And you know, he, it's ultimately Silicon Valley bringing the job to him, and you know, he spent a lot of his time um, really prepping this company for it. But some bad timing when he became CEO in 2001 forced the company to cut their staff, forced the company to see sales plummet. And when business finally stabilized, you know, it started moving beyond storage. So he pushed engineers really hard and the cost of that business push was expensive. But CEO Stanley Tucci, is his name Stanley Tucci? Why? Well, I know it's Tucci, but for some reason, Joseph Tucci. Stanley Tucci's an actor, isn't he? Anyway, I think I'm... I think I'm working too hard. Um, music industry. There's a big story out there today tied towards the music industry. It's in the New York Times, but it's also 
the story just keeps hitting again and again. Like it, it resonates a bit. Another year of plunging music sales. Record companies uh, are starting to contemplate the unthinkable that the last 10 years is the future of the industry. And it's as good as it's going to get. and It's as big as it's going to get. The industry for the Phonographic International Federation, which is a trade group in London, said sales of music in digital form had risen only 6% worldwide in 2010. And when you start contrasting that with the overall music market that shrank 8 to 9%, uh, it's a decade-long decline. In each of the past two years, the rate of increase in digital revenue has approximately halved. If that trend continues, digital sales will top out about $5 billion a year, and that'll be the pie. That'll be the market. About a third of the overall music market, but million, many, many billions of dollars short of the amount needed to replace the long-gone sales of CDs. Music's first digital decade is behind us, and what do you have? It's an industry that's considerably smaller. In South Korea, where the music business has long been blighted by piracy, digital music sales rose 14% in the first half of last year after the new law went into effect there that's tied towards counterfeiting uh, in, in anti-piracy laws in South Korea and France, which authorized you know, cutting off the internet connection of repeat offenders. And it showed that the stricter enforcement could persuade listeners to seek out legal alternatives to unauthorized file copying. The music industry, of course, is saying you know the whole issue has to be stopped on the ISP level. Um, and that they hold the key to solving the piracy problems and helping the music companies recoup lost revenue. Now, a lot of people say the internet should be there that should be a little bit more open. So the industry, you know, um, has fought with itself. So on one side, the service providers want, you know, open connections and then they don't, they want to charge more for data. And then that data comes from the music industry, the television industry, the movie industry, uh, there's companies like YouTube that have sometimes struggled to reach agreements to show music videos, both in Europe and the United States. And uh, it's just a ton of information that's just chaos. The industry is balked at the unlimited MP3 format, which would come with no copy restrictions, allowing people to share music with friends. Um, so I don't think we have a finalized look at what the music industry is yet, but it is shrinking for sure. I saw another story tied to this exact concept where Sony... And a lot of the big record labels are starting their own music streaming service in the United States that's going to challenge Apple's iTunes. Now, listen to this, because I don't think it's going to sell. Music Unlimited, powered by what's called Curiosity. Curiosity. Q-R-I-O-C-I-T-Y. Curiosity. Um, it was debuted in September. It started in the UK and Ireland. Um, in December, it's available in France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. It's available on Sony's PlayStation 3. Uh, Blu-ray disc players, Bravia televisions, personal computers, and it's going to be on smartphones using Google's Android operating system. And basically what you have here is Music Unlimited, which has 6 million songs. It lets Sony and partners, Universal, EMI, and Warner cut out the middlemen and gives them more control over revenue. Now, the music industry has long struggled to come up with alternatives to combat the steeper drop in the number of CDs, as we've been talking about. And when you take a long look at music you know, before jumping into the business model of it, um, you, again, you see that it's a business that's evolving. It's tough to put your finger on which way it's going to move, but we see, keep seeing dead bodies uh, floating up. So the move helps record companies take on iTunes, which ultimately in February reported its 10 billionth song download. Um, iTunes introduced in 2001 is the largest destination for buying music in the United States. It's bigger than Walmart and Amazon for sure. Um, Sony's Music Unlimited is going to, you know, 
take iTunes, which requires a payment to access songs and add them to personal libraries. But while iTunes allows users to access downloaded songs offline, streaming services require a user to be connected to an online device. And Music Unlimited is going to, you know, rival streaming and download services already on the music, already on the market, including some cloud-based sites like Spotify, which majority of users uh, access the service for free and return to, you know, sifting through some ads. The path that Music Unlimited has taken is basically strewn with shutdown music services. Um, Apple's Layla, uh, the music at recently, uh, British Sky Broadcasting Group, Sky Songs. So there's a lot of dead bodies in the industry. And again, Sony's got clout. And we'll see if this is yet another music service that could go after Apple in any way, shape, or form. And you know, digital piracy is the big issue. Free doesn't make money automatically. And I know that's a dumb thing to say. Uh, it's a premium service, uh, 10 bucks a month. The service has no designs on becoming ad supported. And uh, where will it go? This may sound a little off topic, but it's it's still kind of interesting to note. China submitted 122,000 patent applications to the European Patent Office in 2008, which is slightly under 2% of the world's total. Uh, but with the country's economic size, you would imagine that they would have had more. Still, Chinese growth in patent applications was pretty robust in the 2000s. If you use Japan as the historical precedent, it also shows that China's share can increase very, very quickly in, in patents. China's application growth has been the most robust in the electricity sector, with the country's market share jumping from, of all the patents, less than one-half of 1% in 2000 to just under 4, 5% in 2007. Uh, I find that intriguing. I think they're going to be a, a player in electricity, and again, not something you would have thought of, I think. I'm starting to run out of time for this podcast. It does seem like 20 minutes is about my max these days. Uh, so I thought I'd go through some final research that I'm seeing as the day goes on. And uh, sorry, this wasn't my best podcast ever, but I'm trying. So there's a company called MIPS Technology, and they got a downgrade today to sell from hold. It's a play on that whole arm holdings i.e. anything but Intel architecture. And MIPS looks like they're going to exceed December quarter consensus expectations due to continuing strength in licensing. There's a big licensing wave, which has benefited MIPS for the last few quarters. That could begin to flatten out in the March quarter. And some analysts are basing a thesis that this is probably going to mean that going forward, they're going to be below consensus expectations. Um, there's a company called Atheros, a critical MIPS partner. Uh, but the recent acquisition by Qualcomm, which uses ARM holdings, could make it unlikely that Atheros renews their license with MIPS going forward. So fundamentally, it's unknowable whether the analyst call is correct or not. You have to wait and see until the company issues guidance. But this is something before tomorrow it happens. And again, you've probably benefited if you listen to my call on MIPS in the past. There, there hasn't been any evidence of institutional distribution prior to the report. But the valuation-based downgrades rarely have an impact on growth stocks. Uh, but this is one of those. And again, do you, how far out do you want to stick your neck when estimates could get slashed? And um, just know that I'm giving you a little pre-warning uh, on how it plays out. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm giving you a little pre-warning. So uh, the Moscow story, uh, the only angle that I really have on that is that their market's going to be particularly impacted 
there was a little bit of terrorism in Moscow today. And uh, worldwide, what you tend to get is a negative reaction in the, the oil markets when anytime that there's um, terrorism. So it could create a short-term push in oil prices, which obviously could create a play on oil stocks one way or the other. I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, Russia seems to have a home terrorist threat versus more of an international terrorist threat. Uh, Of course, that's horrible and horrific, but it's worthy of eyeballing it on that level. So JMP Securities Day talked about Bank of America, and they said, you know, taking a look at it, they felt pretty good with their their overall numbers. Strength in securities-related business is a, a mitigating factor. They expect revenues to decrease. So they're saying basically short term, you know, it's a market reform before long term and medium term. It could pick up strength in deposits and card services and global commercial banking. But the comparisons are starting to get so negative that the momentum's there on the negative side for sure. Short term, there is a negative trend, but you want to be kind of cautious as far as uh, letting that play out too long. Want to preview that tomorrow I'm going to be giving some um, special stocks only on the podcast that are on the smaller size that are growth oriented that have really come back on growth screens recently. Again, these aren't for mama. They're riskier than average stocks. They tend to expire. So the information is is only good for a period of time. Um, but that'll be on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, tomorrow we get consumer confidence. So we get some housing numbers. Plus, just a crap load of, of um, we just get a, just a crap load. Excuse me for saying that of earnings in the next uh, couple of days. I want to take a quick look at some aftermarket tonight. VMware beat by two pennies. They beat on revenues. They got revenues higher. Um, VMware software play again tied towards EMC. EMC is going to report in the morning. CSX four cents better than expected. They expect to record. Uh, financial record results uh, consistent with previously announced goal of their operating margins. Uh, company's infrastructure looks good. Uh, nothing really shocking there as far as numbers go. So you might be able to tell right now it's uh, pushing two o'clock my time, which means I got to jump off and get on some conference calls. Uh, but the Dow ascended to a two year near 12,000 high today. There was some big stories like NVIDIA got some press saying that the stock could go higher in Barron's over the weekend. Intel, Cisco, Microsoft, IBM all led tech higher today. Halliburton McDonald's earnings were good, and that helped uh, you know push sentiment just a little bit higher across the board. With that said, I got a boogie, got to go. Take care, have a good day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.